0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. You are tuning in to episode 134, where I will be talking with Jesse Neeland about body neutrality, how our unmet needs can lead to and or manifest as body image issues, and how living in pandemic times has influenced our relationships with our bodies. But before we get there, if you are new to the show, welcome. I am so excited that you are joining me here for our first guest episode since our month and a half pause. This is our second episode back, but our first guest episode. If you are new around here, my name is Claire Tuning. I am a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, food pun pro, peanut butter and jelly enthusiast, all the things. And of course, podcast host. So this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my online intuitive eating discovery course. If you have ever wondered how to get started with intuitive eating, how to break up with your dieting tools like the scale and food tracking devices, how to start reconnecting to your body's cues around food and how to challenge that voice of your inner food police, then this course is for you. The course itself contains a lot of resources that will help you learn how to take those first steps towards having a confident and a free relationship with food. You get eight guided coaching lessons led by me, yours Julie. Each of them are filled with real life tools that can be applied to your life as soon as you listen to the coaching lessons. You will also get downloadable PDF worksheets following each coaching module that contain key takeaways and journal prompts and activities to help you set goals and take action on what you are learning in each coaching module. You'll also gain lifelong access to a private Facebook community just for course participants. Here you can ask questions, tune in to Q&A sessions, and of course receive group support from both myself and others navigating this journey. You'll also get some awesome free bonus Content on the topics of mindful eating. There's a whole eat and listen guided mindful eating experience. There's also a body image Q&A with licensed professional counselor and body image coach Brianna Campos. You may know her as Body Image with Bree. She is incredible. And you'll also get an additional resources guide to help you keep learning even more about intuitive eating from some really incredible other practitioners and activists long after you finish taking the course so if you want to learn more about the course and claim your spot in the course today you can visit cleartuning.com slash course again that's clairetuing.com course course. And as a thank you for being a listener of the podcast, I am offering a thank you. In other words, a discount. So you can enter the code podcast, all one word, all uppercase at checkout for 10% off of your enrollment investment. That's tuning.com slash course, and enter the code podcast at checkout for 10% off of your intuitive eating discovery course. And I hope to see you on that participant list very, very soon. But without further ado, we now have to hop to the point in our episode where I feature a goal slayer post of the week. So this is a time in every episode where I feature a post from someone in our Facebook community that is called the Yours Truly Goal So this community is free. It is open for anyone to join so this is not the community associated with the course that I mentioned but this is open free for anyone to join and I will tell you how you can join us here after I feature this post so this member writes I just wanted to share some great news a year ago I discovered Claire on TikTok and I started following along with her podcast as well intuitive eating has changed my life I no longer have any fear foods and I have hunger cues again The most recent breakthrough for me is gentle nutrition. I am currently eating spaghetti bolognese for lunch. I used to think this was quote unhealthy, but I know now that food isn't good or bad. I put carrots and other vegetables in the sauce, but just because I can't taste them doesn't mean that they aren't still nourishing my body. I've actually gotten to a point where I crave vegetables sometimes. I just had a plate of boiled veggies with cheese sauce alongside my dinner and loved it. So a massive thank you to Claire and Intuitive Eating for improving my life. So a really big thank you and a shout out to this member of our community. I am so grateful for your kind words and I am grateful of course for your presence in our group. So if you are listening and you are wanting to join in the fun, to read posts like this, to have a space where you can ask questions and get support from about 900 other individuals who think similarly and who have maybe gone through similar things you can come and join us in our Facebook community. You can find the link to the application on my website. So that is clairetuning.com slash community. Again, clairetuning.com slash community and fill out the application. My team and I will read over it and we will get back to you as soon as we can to welcome you into our online space. But without further ado, let's hop over to talking about Jessie and how amazing she is. But uh, in introducing her, I'm going to share her bio with you that she shared with me. So Jessie Nealon is a certified life coach and clinical sexologist on a mission to help folks break free from body image issues, body anxiety, and body hatred. By digging deep into the root causes of their body image issues, she helps people move towards body neutrality, radical self-acceptance, and a deep sense of self-worth and confidence that has nothing to do with how they look. I have been following Jesse on social media for quite some time now since before we connected on this interview and everything that she shared really resonates with me. And she is so thoughtful in her language and how she frames things. So I am so confident that you will not only learn so much from her here in this conversation that you're about to listen to, but you will also learn a lot from her if you choose to follow along with her content on social media. We will have all of her information and how to get in contact with her and learn more about her work down in the show notes of this episode. But like I said earlier, before I got into all of the intro, Jesse and I talk about a lot of things in this episode. So we're talking about body neutrality, what that even means. I know it's something that we're hearing about more these days, but we break that down. We also start to explore how the unmet needs that you may have in your life can contribute to or even manifest as body image issues. And we also spend a little bit of time talking about how COVID and living in pandemic times in general has influenced and sometimes complicated as well relationships with not only food, but body specifically. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jessie, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks. Me too. Well, uh, we have to dive in with a, a little bit of a more lighthearted conversation because I have some this or that questions to ask you so we as an audience can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, are you ready for my first one? Sure. Okay. Pizza or tacos?
1: Tacos. You
0: thought about it. that was very. that was hard. <laughs> tacos. Okay, I'm. That's hard for me too. I actually just ate a taco before I came into this conversation with you, so tacos <laughs> are on my
1: mind. But I think I would be really sad if pizza was off. The I know. In my life. <laughs> they just- it just depends on what I've eaten most recently. I would want the other one.
0: Yeah, I feel like. In- I mean, you can have variety in pizza too, but I feel like there's more options for variety with tacos when it comes for to like fillings sure. and toppings. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. Uh,
1: <laughs> what about spring or fall? Uh, fall. I grew up upstate know? New York, so it's beautiful there.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you grow up near the Adirondacks at all?
1: Uh, I mean, not too far, but by Syracuse. So it's like still a couple hours.
0: Okay. My, um, my awareness of upstate New York is like the Adirondacks. I went there. It wasn't in fall. It was one summer, but it was so beautiful. I can only imagine like the vibrant colors when the trees
1: change. It's really
0: beautiful there. That's awesome. Next one, books or
1: television? (laughs) Um, books. (laughs) In pandemic times, that has not been so true. But I would say for the majority of my life, I would vote books. I have to
0: to know, since you're more of a book person, are you typically more of a fiction book or a nonfiction? Like, I know you might enjoy both but if you had to choose one.
1: They they serve such different functions in my life. Like, fiction, I will always love. It was my first love. It is my escape. Like, I'm, you know, I listen to Harry Potter to go to sleep, and, you know, like, I love I love fiction, but I think that the majority of my adult life has been learning through books. Like, nonfiction has definitely made up the bulk of what I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it's my world, though, you know, like, I, I'm like, it's for business. I'm like, I have to know everything about, like you know, anything that could possibly relate to my work. I'm like, I have to read it. So nonfiction probably.
0: I get the sense that you're a learner. You like to, to yeah. learn and, and know all of the things, which we'll, exactly. we will learn more about later in the episode. But um, I recently, I'm actually looking at a, at a book over on my nightstand. I recently rediscovered fiction. And I know that nice. sounds weird because most people yeah. are like, clear fiction books have existed for literally a very, very long time, but, you know, I had kind of fallen into a rut where <clears throat> I only read nonfiction, and like you said, that's great, and there's so much that we can learn, mm-hmm. but I started to not enjoy reading as much because of it. Mm-hmm. I just like this is boring, this feels like work, mm-hmm. and I recently picked up a fiction book, and I have finished it in almost a month, which might not sound that fast, but I used to be the person who took years yeah. to finish a book, so. <laughs>
1: I totally hear that. I don't even remember what I just read, but I, I also read a fiction book and it was something so fluffy and oh. so just escapy. Uh-huh. And it must have been a friend's recommendation or something, because I remember being like, man, I haven't done this in a long time. Just like powered through a book. Yeah. And yeah, it just is like for me, it's always young adult. It's like cheesy and fast and, you know, really hooks you. Otherwise, yeah, yeah I'm I'm not gonna read like the grapes of wrath with my downtime.
0: <laughs> I like uh I like the word escape. Because the the one I'm reading now just feels like a really nice way to pause life and escape into an alternate reality, so to speak. Um, But next one that is not reading related whatsoever, cats or dogs?
1: Ooh, so this is a fun one to answer for me because my whole life I was like anti-animals. I just didn't like them. I didn't get it. We had pets. Everyone's like, oh, you've probably just never had a pet. And I'm like, no, no, we had so many pets. I never liked any of them. Uh, and I was always allergic to cats. So I was like, Oh, I guess I just don't like animals. Um, but so my boyfriend has three cats, which is way too many cats. If we're being honest, (laughs) um, I I almost did reconsider dating. him when I found that out, um, but so three cats, but I'm not allergic to them weirdly. Like they're the only cats in the world. I seem to not be allergic. So I've been building a relationship with them Mm -hmm. and it's like, I sometimes I'll be patting one and I'll be like, does everybody know how good this feels like to pet a cat? It's delightful. So now I'm a cat person. I'm a recently converted cat person.
0: You heard it here first, folks. 10 out of 10, recommend <laughs> petting a cat as long as you're not allergic. Hot takes from the Yours Truly podcast
1: over Well, here. yeah, because it's not fun when you're like miserable and sneezing and like breaking out in hives, but it's really, really lovely when none of that is true.
0: Yeah, I can't say that I understand when you're talking about an allergy to cats. I've never experienced that, but what I have experienced, um, I've never had a dog. I've always had cats. I don't have one personally now mm. where I live here, but I've always had cats That weren't really on the affectionate side of things, Mm -hmm. right? They were affectionate when they wanted food or they needed something from you. They were never lap cats. So I I really, it is a life goal of mine to one day be in a situation where I can have a cat that is just like wanting to willingly be
1: with me and in my presence at all times. I totally get that. I don't know how people choose cats. I'm going to have to like go play with kittens and see if I'm allergic to them and just like <laughs> take who I get, you know, I'm not sure, but it's really nice when a cat wants to just sit with you. I like, I feel so special. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, it came up right here for me. <laughs> they chose
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> uh final one and um i learned about you before we hit record that you have done a fair amount of traveling at least in the recent past and living in different areas so i think this will be an interesting question to ask you but do you prefer the east coast of the united states or the west coast
1: oh west coast i i loved the west coast i i feel like the weather on the east coast can't it's I like the people on the East Coast very much. I think that's a true statement. Um, I have a lot of positive associations with places on the East Coast. But like the weather being what it is, West Coast just has my heart.
0: I can see that. I uh, I have no experience living on the West Coast. Of course, I visited. I am East Coast through and through, and Mm -hmm. I do love the people here. All of my family Mm -hmm. is here, but um, the weather, at least where I live, like I've always lived in like the Virginia, Ohio, you know that part of the the country. But the the weather in the winter is just very gray. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. Maybe I'll have to to go for a <laughs> stint on the West Coast, I don't know, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but on a on a different note here, now that we know about uh, your cat preferences and your geographic preferences. All the
1: important stuff.
0: Tacos, all of the, the important stuff. I, I would love for you if you're willing to just share a little bit more about you as a human and what it is that you do, just so the audience knows a little bit more about who I'm speaking to here today.
1: Yeah, totally. So I am a body image coach. At this point, I've been running my online business for like seven ish years, maybe more. Um, but I started as a personal trainer in the fitness industry. So it has morphed and morphed again and it looks nothing like what it looked like when I began. I loved the fitness. Well, I don't know if I ever loved the fitness industry exactly, but I loved being a personal trainer. I loved strength training. I loved helping women feel empowered and strong. Um, I was really passionate about what I did, even when it was fitness, but I came towards a point in my learning and my evolution of like what I wanted to be doing and what I loved most about my job, uh, where I just realized like, I want to be having better conversations because the thing that the women were coming to me to feel was like more confident in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And as a personal trainer, I just had the one tool, which is like, help you change your body. And it was just, it started to feel really limiting. Like, this, I mean, it's a decent tool. It's a perfectly good tool, but it's like one of what should be a lot more. And so I started shifting and I was like, you know what? Like the fitness industry is so problematic in so many ways. I, I ended up totally bailing on it. I never, I never made the decision. I was never like, screw the fitness industry. But um, at this point, yeah, I can look back and see that I just like severed ties, severed ties again. Um, Even as simple as like learning about Um, you know, diet culture from like the anti-diet perspective and then realizing like, oh my God, I was so steeped in this and I had no idea. The fitness industry really, there's just this assumption that like, of course everybody should be trying to get leaner. Like that is the ultimate be all end all goal of being a human person. And so questioning that and then really being like, oh my gosh, I have participated in things that I am morally opposed to. And yeah, so it's interesting. The evolution has just been a complete turnaround um, on a lot of things, even though my my heart and my mission have always been the same thing, which is to help women feel more um, comfortable, confident, You know, to, to help them feel accepting of themselves and feel good about themselves. But now I do it a totally different way. So I've evolved everything, but um, it's still about helping women feel comfortable and confident in their bodies. It's just that now we break down the root cause of body image issues like where it's coming from and why they developed in the first place instead of just trying to like look in the mirror and chant you're beautiful. Like that's, that's not going to work for most people. Yeah. Um, our body images show up for a perfectly good reason. We just don't usually know what it is. So my job is like to help people figure out what that reason is, deal with whatever we find there directly. Um, and I'm big now. I, I had originally worked using the language like self love or, you know, love your body. And now I'm like, nope, none of that. <laughs> I've evolved beyond that into body neutrality because loving your body is just not realistic Mm -hmm. for most people. If you want to love your body, if you can love your body, there's nothing wrong with it. Of course. Um, I think I love my body, but my definition of what that means has changed. And I think it used to mean like, I love how I look because I fit a certain conventional norm. Like it's like the ways in which I fit this norm I love and the ways in which I don't fit it, I hate. That's how it used to be. Um, and now I'm just like, body neutrality is accessible to everybody, body neutrality is like healthier for most of us. It's just separating yourself and detaching from the story about what it means to look one way or the other. And then you can love your body as like you love your best friend, which has nothing to do with how they look, you know?
0: Yeah. Sounds like a lot of things have like changed for you, like over the evolution of your business. You mentioned that kind of your, um, the, the how of how you approach work with people that has changed, even how you view, like, certain um, phrases, maybe in the the body image space. It sounds like that has changed. And uh, I I think I can maybe speak for some of our listeners. I know clients have shared with me, at least in the past, when I have kind of, you know, breached the topic of body image with them, kind of presenting this third option, like body neutrality, it doesn't have to be about love and unicorns and rainbows I know many people have shared with me and I'm wondering if our listeners feel the same way hearing you explain what you just did is that they feel just like very refreshed uh through this message like I have grown up thinking that it either has to be love or hate, right? With no middle ground. So I'm kind of curious, maybe if you could take us a little bit more down the rabbit hole of body neutrality. So you introduced this term a couple of moments ago, and after following your content for a little while now, since I, I learned about you, my uh, my assistant actually told me about you, and I'm so glad she did. <laughs> um, but this is a, a topic that you cover pretty frequently in all of your content, and obviously, it's something that you're very passionate about. If you used it in introducing yourself there a month ago. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that even means and why you view it as an important topic to cover when it comes to body image?
1: Yeah. So the way I define body neutrality is having a relationship with yourself in which the way you look doesn't mean anything about you. In which the way you look doesn't have any bearing on your worthiness, on who you are, on what you deserve, on how you feel about yourself as a person, on anything. And um, I do offer it often as like a an alternative to either negative body issues, which is all about like I hate how I look, usually, mm-hmm. or this sort of rainbows and butterflies. I love how I look, or I love my body. You know, there is like such a such an appealing thing in the body positivity movement is often put out there like, oh, I just love my body for, you know, it's like, I'm so grateful for the legs that get me around and the air that I breathe and All of that is great. I'm not opposed to those things. It's just that it doesn't speak to the thing that hurts for so many people, which is I've been trying to control my body and it doesn't want to be controlled. And this just is really hard and painful now. So yeah, I, I approach body neutrality as a place of um, just stripping away the lies and the meaning and significance and attachments and stories that you have about your body and just getting it down to the truth the truth is like this is your body it's perfectly fine you don't need to have an opinion on how it looks one way or the other you can move on with your day because it doesn't mean anything the same way i mean i i wrote a post today uh, that i haven't posted yet but it's like sort of tongue-in-cheek to say bone neutrality like i'm pretty neutral about my bones how about you you know like Mm -hmm. i don't think about my bones much i don't feel like they're bad bones i suppose if i broke one i would start to attend to it more you know but I have like bone neutrality or like foot size neutrality. Yeah. You know, like these are places we can be like, yeah, we already know what neutrality means. It it doesn't mean I hate my feet and I think they're, you know, worthless. No, it just means like, I don't think about it much. It doesn't mean anything about me.
0: That's really helpful when you offer the comparison uh, about how we maybe already experience a neutral relationship with a part of our body. Um, I never had anyone explain it to me in that way or give me that analogy, Mm -hmm. but I think for maybe a lot of people who are listening who this phrase of body neutrality is new to them, maybe it is really helpful in having that point of comparison. Like, yeah, I don't think about my bones or my foot size unless- Or like your elbows. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think of, like the elbow dry the skin on
0: my elbow. I think about my right. Elbow that's skin true. Skin.
1: <laughs> Whenever I give these examples, I'm always like, "Listen, you could have an issue with any of these things." Right? Like, right. I I mean, culturally, there are you know, like we know, small feet could be seen as a a good thing, and big feet could be seen as a bad thing in some. <laughs> Somebody could grow up not being foot-size neutral at all. And likewise, with like elbows, for some people, it's totally neutral. For some people, there's stuff wrapped up in it. But that's the point, right? Like we can look at the ways in which we have stuff wrapped up in the story of what it means. And neutrality is just when you don't have stuff wrapped up in those stories, which when it comes to how you look, there's there's a lot of lies in that, that it means one thing or the other. We can see... In the foot size example that like it might mean something to one person but not another which means objectively that's not a real thing you know it's socially conditioned so we do have to deal with with that significance we can't just ignore and erase that Mm -hmm. um but it's not real like that significance is socially constructed
0: i'm wondering then um and i don't know if this is ever something that you talk about or maybe it's like an alternate uh, alternate definition but it almost kind of sounds like then body neutrality is like the absence of uh, having some sort of uh, attachment or kind of judgment on something based on how it appears. Is that maybe a a valid way to
1: frame differently what you're saying? Absolutely. I sometimes compare it to the mindfulness movement. If somebody's into mindfulness, they kind of understand like, We have stories about the future, hypotheticals that might or might not happen, and we get really anxious when we think about that. We have stories about the past, what it means that we did this thing or we didn't do this thing and how that went, what other people thought about us, and we get really anxious a lot of times or sad when we think about that. And so both of those things are not happening right now, and when you ground yourself in the now moment, the only true thing is like you're almost always fine. Right now, you're almost always fine. And the things that cause so much stress and anxiety are the future and the past it's very similar with this. I would say when we're dealing with body image, we're almost always dealing with like a story an interpretation an association, whatever it is, it's almost never what's actually true right now.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. And
1: what's actually true right now is like, usually just, you know, this is your body. It's fine. That's neutrality.
0: Something else that you often talk about in your content. And I feel like this kind of weaves into what we're talking about here, but you bring up this idea that sometimes our unmet needs manifest as yeah. body image issues. So I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about this and mm-hmm. maybe even offer an example of how this might show up in someone that you've worked with in the past, yeah. whether it's a, a real example or a
1: metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <one. laughs> oh my God, I'm running over with examples. I could do this all day. <laughs> so yes. So the way that I think about unmet needs as root causes for body image is that the the sort of plan, and I use plan very loosely because this is not conscious. Nobody's going around being like, my plan is to get my needs met by being thin and hot. But ultimately that is the plan underneath on an unconscious level. What happens is we all have unmet emotional needs, or I should say we all have emotional needs. A lot of us unfortunately learn that we can't properly meet them or they won't properly be met for any number of reasons. The way that we grew up in childhood or our close relationships or just life experiences whatever it might be. So let's say you have a need for um, validation. Well, I don't use validation. I'll just say like acceptance and belonging. Like you feel like you don't fit in. Maybe you didn't fit in in your family super well. You had trouble making friends. You have a lifetime of unmet need. And then you look around and you see who looks like they fit in and you're like, cool. And then what happens is it becomes really, really, really important to look a certain way to fit in. Because that is, again, the unconscious plan, a way to get your emotional needs met. you're you're at that point it's so painful to not belong to not feel accepted to not feel connected and nourished by those you know connections that we all need like we're literally wired to need them um yeah and so then it just becomes about well here's what's in my control I'll look like a person who belongs and then people will accept me and I'll get that need met it's imperfect because even if you did look the right way if you hit all of your goals you're still not going to actually feel how you think you'll feel it doesn't It doesn't really work for any number of reasons, but also a lot of people can't hit that goal. They can't look how they want because it's like, you really can't change certain aspects. If you're living in a larger body, you might not be able to lose the weight. You know, you might spend a lot of time beating yourself up for not losing the weight. You might be like trying super hard to lose the weight, but ultimately that is often coming from a place of if I'm thin, I'll belong. If I'm thin, people will accept me. So in so many ways, an unmet need for respect. We can see how that plays out with people, especially around weight. I would say like discipline, fitness culture, wellness culture. There's a lot of need for respect there or status. You could have an unmet emotional need for like sex or partnership or intimacy. And we can see very clearly how that might play out. Like a person who feels like she has to play to the male gaze to catch a partner's attention so that she can have a husband, so that she can have this, you know, there's totally like, a whole world that that ends up um looking like when a person has that unmet need um, attention and belonging acceptance um, safety so all these things are ways that i i would say like most of the time there are unmet needs when a person is obsessed with changing how they look and figuring out what they are and then actually dealing and getting them those needs met directly is a huge part of of disempowering the way they look as like an important force
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, um, maybe I'm going to insert a question here that some of our listeners might have popping up. Like, Maybe everything that you're saying right now, they are nodding their head like, Mm. yeah, makes sense. I could see how that could be true. But what if someone doesn't really quite know what that unmet need is? Or or maybe they know um, what the unmet need is, but maybe... For example, they also know in the back of their mind, well, I know dieting doesn't work in the long run for 90 to 95% of people, right? So I have this desire to change my body in order to be accepted. And I want that that's reflective of an unmet need, but I know the how of that isn't going to be helpful. So I guess I kind of loaded you down with a a two part question, but it's how do we, identify what that unmet need is. And I guess the second part of that would be if we know that the, the how of of achieving something like this is maybe goes against our values or we know it isn't going to get us where we want to be in the long run. What do we actually do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) These are great questions. So the first one is like, that is the work I do in coaching, helping people figure out the unmet emotionally. It's, It's hard. It's not, it's not obvious because again, it's not conscious. I can't tell you how many people are like coming into a call and they'll say, listen, I don't agree with anything I'm about to tell you, but here's what came up as I did this exercise. Mm -hmm. It's like their conscious mind and their unconscious mind are on completely different levels. Perfect example being someone who's like, I'm a feminist. I don't care what men think of me. Like I'm happily married. I don't care. Also, I need every man on earth to find me attractive and want to sleep with me or I'll die. You know, that there's like that, that cognitive dissonance, that conflict is a part of this work for Mm -hmm. almost everybody. Um, So that's the first thing. Also just if you ask the question and keep digging and digging into what do you think you'll get if you look the way you want to look? What do you think is really on the other side of of what you would change if you could? And the answer is like a lot of times that points us in the direction because it's like oh I would I would like meet my dream partner and be happy cool. So we're probably looking at an unmet need for like intimacy, maybe sex, maybe love, um, maybe connection, but there's something there, you know, that points us towards it. Or if someone would say, um, oh, I get the job I want and everybody would just like think I was awesome. Be like, cool. That sounds like status to me. Mm. Um, maybe access, access, which could be a little bit like belonging, but that is the work. It's like trying to figure out, yeah, what is it that you want? And everybody's different. And it's so interesting because two people with the same exact body image issues, like they both hate their bodies the same way, or they both deal, you know, the relationship with food or exercise is very similar. They might have completely different motivations, completely different root causes, because one has an unmet need for connection or belonging. The other has an unmet need for respect and status, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, that those those come from different places. So this is why it's hard to tell. There's no like blanket statement. If you feel this way, it's, what, it's gonna be this. Um, but you just gotta keep asking yourself the question like, what am I trying to get? Like what is the goal of losing weight? What is the goal of looking high or putting makeup on or whatever? Like what is the end goal really? What am I trying to, What tank am I trying to fill? Or what mm-hmm. need am I trying to meet? Or what am I afraid won't happen if I don't do it?
0: Yeah, I really appreciate both of those questions. Like what am I trying to get? And what am I afraid is not going to happen if I if I don't achieve this? I, I find maybe a, a lot of your work is similar to the work of a dietitian, and that mm. it's kind of hard to answer broad questions like yeah. this because so much of the work that you do, I can imagine, is very individualized and yeah. it's very dependent on the person that you have in front of you. But I yeah I appreciate um, the the approach of curiosity and you know equipping our listeners with those yeah. questions to ask Someone- <coughs> Someone just almost tried to call me. That was my bad. (laughs) (laughs) I put my phone on a do not disturb. But one other question that I have that's a little bit different from what we've been talking about so far, but I want to make this kind of appropriate to the times that we have been living in for now an entire year. Like, I don't know where you were in the world when things shut down, but. In my world, it was literally a year ago this week from when we are recording this. And
1: Mm -hmm. I'm wondering,
0: um, how do you think, if at all, the past year, 2020 in general, pandemic, everything that has been going on has maybe impacted or at least played a role in the relationships that we all have with our bodies. And again, I know this is going to vary depending on individual, levels of privilege in the world, you know, whatever that might look like, but how in general do you think just being at home life far from how it normally does kind of impacts the relationship with our bodies?
1: I would say it has been like, catastrophic across the board. It has been such a negative impact on body image across the board. And granted, this is true with all mental health stuff. Like I think anxiety is higher than ever. Depression is higher than ever. It makes sense that body image issues would be worse than ever as well, because they're all very similar in some ways. A lot of people lost their, their outlets for body control. So they like their gyms shut down or, you know, their opportunities for different food things, if they were controlling their diet might have changed. also stress is higher. So maybe they're comfort eating more and they're sitting on the couch instead of moving as much. Like there's so many reasons that people lost the ability to control their body and then suddenly had to come face to face with the fact that like, oh, I did not realize that I only felt safe because I was controlling this thing. Mm -hmm. And that has been, I think, uh, an impetus for a lot of my clients over the last year who have like signed up in the last year is like, they suddenly realized I'm not okay. They might have said they were okay before because they were controlling it Mm -hmm. and then it's like suddenly oh my god i'm facing a little bit of weight gain i'm facing all of these or i'm i'm struggling with a lack of external validation because i don't go into the office and people don't tell me how pretty and thin i am or whatever the thing is so so for somebody who like fits the norm and they're like beating off of that validation they lose access to that as well um just stress being higher i think whenever we're uncomfortable in general like uncomfortable emotionally we we tend to feel worse in our bodies. Like our, if you struggle with body dysmorphia, it's going to be worse when you're just feeling bad overall for most people. Um, So that can be worse. Yeah. It's just been awful. I'd say the only positives that I can see as a pattern is people have been wearing less makeup and doing less like beauty work on a daily basis and sort of getting comfortable being like, yeah, this is just my face. Like, it's okay to wear sweatpants. I just am a person. There's been a little bit of like a dialing down of that kind of curated image that we, that a lot of people, I should say, um, used to feel they had to present to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, it's, it's individual, of course, but I would say there's been just really uh, a lot of reckoning that people have had to do with how bad their body image issues really are this year. hmm
0: now, kind of going off of that, since you're mentioning, and I, I totally agree that all mental health struggles are probably mm. um, in a in a different place this year. Yeah. <laughs> they were in 2019, 2018. Um, but if someone is maybe realizing, maybe they have been realizing over the course of the entire past year and now hearing this podcast episode, mm. hearing you speak, they are really starting to realize like, yeah. I need, I feel like I need to address this. Okay. I really want to mend my relationship with my body, but I have no idea where to start. Um, yeah, I'm definitely. wondering as we're kind of getting closer to some of our final questions, um, where might you point someone who is interested in continuing to be curious and learning more, but it's kind of that question, where the heck do I begin? Because this topic yeah. feels so big and yeah. kind of burdensome to take on
1: that's a good question um the way that i do the work there's no like resources that i can point toward Mm -hmm. yet um like someday i'll write a book and then i'll point everybody towards that but the yeah the the best thing i can say is it kind of depends on what's coming up because there are so many great resources um especially books out there you know there's anti-diet and mm-hmm. the fuck it diet are both really great if you're coming up against body control stuff around food. Um, there's more than a body by um, Beauty Redefined. And, and that's very much like if you're sort of, or, or beauty sick or the beauty myth. These are great if you're like really drawn into sort of the culture of like looking pretty, beautiful, following beauty ideals. It, it kind of depends. There's health at every size and um, what's the other one? Body respect. Body respect. Of- body respect, body of truth by Harriet Brown. There's, there's so many books that are like, okay, cool. Are you looking at fat phobia and weight stigma? You know, like it really just depends on what's coming up for you. And I feel like, um, intuitive eating is another one. I feel like it, it, this is how I help my clients organize their thoughts. A lot of times it's like, we are trying to figure out where it's coming from so that they can then follow the rabbit hole where it needs to go. Cause otherwise like if you're really focused on, if you're just dealing with fat phobia and weight stigma, internalized and, and also otherwise usually, then it's not going to help you to read about like how beauty standards are held against women. Like it just what, you'll, you'll read it and you'll go, what, how does this, like, what, this doesn't matter, you know? So it's like getting to the core. I think that's what I, I'm always trying to help people do is figuring out where does this come from for you? What are you trying to do? What, how are your body images serving you? Mm -hmm. Um, And then go find resources that help support you in unpacking that thing, whatever that is. Um, Also just recognizing like, yeah, your body image issues probably will suck this year. That's just part of it. Um, Just like nobody's going around going, I have the cure for anxiety and depression. Like, no, you don't. For the most part, like (laughs) we're all just going to be a little anxious and sad this year. That's part of the deal. It's part of the deal of being a human in a pandemic. Like it just is it. And then if you're coming up against body changes from the pandemic, like learning to tolerate the discomfort of that while also unpacking the other stuff like weight stigma and um, why it feels so important to be attractive or fit a certain standard. I don't know. I think it's complicated. And and I would point people in a direction based on what they were discovering really mattered to them mm-hmm. because it can be so many things and link to so many things.
0: Yeah. I think that's um, a very useful reply. And I'm so glad you took it that way instead of just listing out blanket, like, read this and look at this, because I I couldn't agree more that, you know, one person could be struggling with this thing and one book might really speak to them. But for someone who is struggling with their body for a totally different reason, I can imagine reading the quote-unquote wrong book for their situation feel frustrating would make them feel unheard so I guess moral of the story here use those questions that you gave us earlier to kind of help get to the root or if you could work with someone like yourself or another professional to help get to the root that is kind of step one start getting curious there and then from that point when we have that awareness we can look outward for resources and support there
1: um i feel like you just created us a roadmap but yeah go ahead i love that (laughs) well i was about to say actually i do feel like there's a sort of like conscious radicalization that happens in this process like Mm -hmm. depending on where you're coming in from let's say you come in from a family who said like it's very important to be thin if you're fat you're a failure that's just like the thing you have to be thin and you or or you're worthless if that was an explicit message which it isn't usually i'm being you know pretty hyperbolic but sometimes it is Then you're really gonna have to start, like, just start somewhere. Start with the idea that, hey, maybe, maybe there's some bias there that is actually not true. Like, maybe start unpacking it from a place that's very gentle. And as you unpack that, you maybe follow some people on Instagram that are like anti diet people, right? And then you go down the rabbit hole and then you see a book recommendation and you're like, all right, I'm ready to read that book now. But maybe you weren't two months ago when you first had the thought. What if it's not actually a failure to live in a larger body? So, and then it just, it takes you, you know, you listen to the book or you read the book and then you're like, it references another book and you go, okay, what's that person about? And I think there really is a radicalization that happens as you basically leave mainstream culture, which says you have to be thin and pretty in order to have any value, basically, especially as a woman. And you leave that bit by bit, but you have to choose to leave it. Mm-hmm. So, I think all of these resources are kind of like, "How do you need to leave it? What would be the next best resource for you to leave that message behind and and try on something new
0: maybe also um too giving permission to leave it bit by bit, mm-hmm. right kind of as you're describing this analogy of that I go here and there's another resource and that I'm going here, just like continuing to kind of dig further and further, just yeah. allowing ourselves permission, like it doesn't have to be this thing that happens all at once in Virginia, yeah. all the learning right now and changing everything right now. Yeah. Cause I feel like typically when we, um, do something that drastic all at once, it typically ends in what I call the anxiety of overwhelm <laughs> too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: one bit by bit or bite by yeah. bite. I like to say. I love that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's so, <laughs> I have clients sometimes who will, they'll be like, you know, I I'm still dieting. Like I'm still in a restrictive place and I recognize I've read the books. I'm going to have to give that up at some point and I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do that today. And I'll be like, then cool. We don't do that. today." like, it, like they come to me and they're like, I can't do it. Like I'm, I'm not ready. And I'm like that. It's almost like they expect me to say, but you have to, it's all or nothing, you know? And it's so not all or nothing. It's absolutely not. That's not how it goes. Or they'll say, Oh, I'm not brave enough to do that thing yet. Like, um, know get photos done or, or wear a certain item or the thing they're like oh I can't do that I'm not ready I'm like then don't do it today but like but we're gonna work a little bit a little bit we'll challenge those fears and by the time that is something that's on the table for you you will be ready
0: Yeah. Um, something uh, kind of like one final thought that I will add before we plug where the heck people can find you and all the resources that you have. Um, but something that I've been sharing with my clients recently, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but this idea that we can allow more than one thing to be true at once. Mm. Meaning, for example, like I want to give up dieting and Mm. find a life where I can have peace with food. That can be a truth. And part of the truth might be, that sounds really scary. I don't really want to do that right now, yeah. <laughs> like I'm saying. And I think so many people, or at least I hear people in my sessions be like, well, I feel like I, I can't work with you if I'm not mm-hmm. totally on board with what I said first. And I said, well, yeah. you know, I, I can see how you might feel that way. And at the same time, we can take this step by step and we can yeah. exist in the gray where both of these things are true at once. Is that ever something that you um, share? Constantly. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: so big of a part of it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I love hearing that from someone who works as a dietitian, because as you know, like so many people in that space are pretty binary, like they, they play into the there's good, there's bad, there's right, there's wrong. Um, I think it terrifies people, but it also sort of suits them. You know, it's like when you're scared and stressed, it makes sense to have a binary you know, it's like when, if there's, if there's something dangerous moving in the woods and you're in the woods alone and like something rustles, you don't go, Hmm, I wonder if there's nuance in gray area to whether or not this is dangerous. Right? <laughs> like you're like safe or dangerous, safe or dangerous. What's going on? Like that binary serves us to a point, but uh, the nuance in the gray area is where the healing happens. Like you need that. You need to be able to say, I'll get there bit by bit. I'll explore and grow. And I can always go back. Like this is not all in and then you can never go back. Um, holding space for the the conflict is really important too, because people will come in and they'll say like, I want to be the kind of person, it's usually kind of person. I want to be the kind of person who like rocks a crop top with a fat belly hanging out and just like feels sexy. And it's like totally fine with it. Also like that will never happen in a thousand years. I can't do it. You know, like I have to lose weight and just, I like to invite people to think of themselves as big enough, like emotionally big enough to hold all of these things. And there's some, there's a lot of peace and relief in just thinking of yourself that way. Like, yeah, I am a vast person full of like complex, conflicting thoughts and I'm big enough to hold all of it. You know, I can be sad and excited about the same thing because I'm big enough to hold all of that. I can, I can believe two completely conflicting ideals because I'm big enough to hold all of that. And there's something nice about that. That,
0: We may have just found our episode title right there. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that you're saying, I'm, um, I almost finding am finding myself speechless because, you know, I, I've heard some of these ideas before, but I've never had anyone frame it to me in that way that you just did. So I am so appreciative from a a selfish perspective to have had you here today, but I'm also, you know, so grateful that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me here today to also share this with our audience here on the Yours Julie podcast. So uh, before we fully sign off and wrap up, I would love for you to plug anything you're working on or where people can find you, because I have a feeling that 40 minutes of a podcast interview is not going to be enough for somebody. so where can they find you
1: <laughs> so you can find me on my website jessie i also have a youtube channel with lots of videos and, and content uh, as well as an instagram account both are just Jesse Neeland. and i put out so much content uh please enjoy <laughs> there's a lot there to find and to anybody who wants to work with me you can just apply to coaching on my website under the the coaching page
0: pretty easy to find you it's just your name everywhere just type my name (laughs) in you'll find me uh well jesse thank you so much again for being here for sharing all that you did and that is going to be a wrap for today's episode of the yours julie podcast so you and i are going to sign off by saying yours julie claire and jesse and that's our show Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode of the Yours Truly podcast featuring Jessie Neeland. If you like today's episode or you enjoy anything else that I share here on the show, it would mean the world to me if you could take a couple of moments and make sure you are subscribed wherever you are listening. If you are tuning in on Apple Podcasts, you could also tap those five stars and leave a review to help the show grow. If you happen to listen elsewhere, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're tuning in, you could take a screenshot and share it somewhere on social media. Be sure to tag me at ClaireTuning so I can say, hey, drop you a personalized thank you and give you a shout out for listening. Thanks so much again for being here. I will be back with another episode of the podcast next Wednesday. And until then, take care.